Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Uh, Well, something else that you should know about me is that I am a classic oldest child. I don't know if there are any other oldest oldest children in the room, um, but I grew up being well-behaved, very compliant and doing well in my HSC. You know the story, right? It's not uncommon for oldest children. Um, And somewhere along the way, I realised that um, that people respond pretty well uh, to good behaviour and high performance, and that if you play the game right, you can put together a pretty kind of foolproof identity and reputation around those things. Um, Foolproof. Maybe. Uh, Deep? No, definitely not. Uh, And definitely not a good foundation for developing um, a deep relationship with God and living from a place of acceptance and rest uh, and peace in Him. Um, Not only is it exhausting to have to keep it all together on the outside to feel like you're okay and you're worthwhile, um, but it's also a very sneaky way of resisting God. Uh, You see, you feel like if you feel like you've got it all okay and you can rely and depend on your own performance, You're saying to God, essentially, I don't need you. And you knock back the life and the freedom and the joy that he offers. So that was my situation. Um, And then over the last two years since I finished at Bible College at Morling, um, God has been stripping away um, all the things that I used to build my identity and my reputation on. Um, And what is starting to grow back uh, in their place is this more pure and more beautiful and more simple heart relationship with God. Um, And so what I'm grappling with at the moment is, what does it look like then if if earning it and performing for it is not it? What does it look like um, to live out your identity as God's fully accepted child, freely accepted child? Um, What does it look like to live that out in our day-to-day lives if it's not about performing or earning for it? and um, there's a wonderful story, actually, in the scripture that's, that has some great insights into this. I've never met anybody who doesn't like a good story. Um, there's something about story that can communicate truth uh, and depth in a way that uh, just a download of information can never do. Um, and pa- Jesus' stories were particularly like that, and his parables um, in particular. And um, the way that par- we're going to look at a parable tonight, and the way, that, the way that parables work is you have to really look deeply into them um, to see the message that's embedded in them. You've got to really look deeply. Um, and they function a lot like, well, scripture generally, it functions like a mirror. You know, you read scripture and you read parables, but if you're game, they also read you. <laughs> Works like a mirror. Um, so, my challenge and encouragement tonight as we approach this parable is that together we would look really deeply into it and that we would have the guts to see what's reflected back about our hearts um, from the parable. Um, so, that's kind of where we're going. I hope that's all right. Um, choose your own adventure. Feel free to come with me. Feel free not to. Um, the story we're going to look to is a really well-known parable that Jesus told uh, in response to the religious leaders of the day um, who were having a go at him for eating with the people who broke all the rules, the tax collectors and the sinners. Um, and um, the, re- the religious leaders, like me, used to think that being right with God was about doing all the right things. Um, and they couldn't believe that Jesus would spend time with the people who did all the wrong things. So if you'd like to come with me in your Bibles, I'm going to read the story. You feel free to listen along. Uh, it's in the book of Luke in uh, chapter 15 from verse 11. Again, choose your own adventure. Listen, read, whichever you like. Uh, so here we are. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, have I read that already? No, the the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's right, the first time was his rehearsal. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has uh, killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This story is so brilliant. Uh, I kind of think of it like an ocean. You dive in and you can swim and swim and you keep seeing more beautiful and amazing things the further you dive in. Um, It's incredible. We could talk about so many things. We could talk about the surprising generosity of God. We could talk about how you can't work for the love of God. Um, But given... um, I don't want to keep you here all night. Um, We've got to better pick something to talk about. So what we're going to talk about is um, what this story teaches us about living out our identity as fully accepted children of God. Um, You see, what this parable shows us is that as humans, we have a tendency, the tendency of our hearts is to resist relationship with God in one of two ways. Either like the younger son, uh, who represents the tax collectors and the sinners, We do things our own way, we break all the rules, outwardly wanting nothing to do with God. Or, like the older son, who represents the Pharisees, we stay close, we keep all the rules, and we trust in how good we think we are, instead of in God, and in that way, resist relationship with him. It's very sneaky. 
Um, and because we take up the attitude of the younger son or the older son so easily and often without even realising it, I'd love for us to just make some space tonight in this time um, to allow the Holy Spirit to do a bit of a heart check on us, if you're up for that, um, that we'd just be able to, like, that God would have access to our hearts to show us in that mirror, uh, am I veering off into the attitude of the younger son or the older son? So I want to encourage you to ask, be asking God and yourself that question um, as you listen to him this evening. Does that sound okay? Awesome. All right, so what does it look like to live out our identity as God's accepted children? Number one of three, know the Father. Uh, For a long time, I thought of God as a concept, as a a kind of, not even a being, but just kind of an idea. Um, But God is a person and he has characteristics. Um, The Father in this story who represents God is extravagant and compassionate. He's loving, generous, forgiving, and gracious. He's suffering. He's welcoming, unashamed, and compassionate. Uh, and it's wonderful to recognize these characteristics. Uh, but recognizing characteristics in somebody is very different to experiencing them for yourselves, right? So, for example, I might meet a nice guy at a party, let's just say. And he might be telling me about how that day he'd been at his friend's house helping his friend to fix a car for four hours. And I might say, oh, this person is very generous. They've got a characteristic of, gener- of generosity. I might not be that clinical about it, but anyway, just for the sake of the story. Anyway, if I get to know said nice young man a little bit better, he might say, for example, buy me a nice bunch of flowers. In that case, I would get to experience this characteristic of generosity for myself. Do you see the difference? One is recognising the characteristic, one is experiencing it for yourself. We're not talking here about knowing about God, recognising characteristics of his, although that's good. We're talking here about experiencing them in our own lives for ourselves. Jesse kind of touched on, this about last, about, uh, touched on this a bit last week, knowing God, not knowing about him, not just knowing about him. Uh, The sons in the parable didn't experience the characteristics of the father because they were determined to be in charge of their own lives um, and they didn't let their father be their father towards them. Let me ask you tonight, in your everyday life, do you let God be God towards you? Do you know his grace, know his grace, experience his grace? Do you know his compassion towards you, his tenderness towards you? A great piece of news tonight is that God's home, God's permanent residence is with you and in you. John chapter 14 verses 17 and 23 say, You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. God in all his wonderful characteristics comes and takes up residence in you when you put your faith in Jesus. And as you get to know him, because his home is with you and in you, over time, his characteristics become yours. And so the second thing of what it looks like to live out our identity as children of God is to be like him. Know the Father and be like him. Uh, In the culture of this parable, one thing uh, that it meant to be a child of your father was to represent his character, to bear his character in word uh, and thought and in deed. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but when the sons have broken relationships with their father, their characters are very different from the father's character. The younger son is disinterested in being part of the father's, uh, being part of this family. He doesn't care about the well-being of others. The older son is judgmental and bitter and envious and entitled and proud. He doesn't care uh, about his lost brother. 
But when God brings you home into a relationship with him and adopts you as his child, he starts to shape your character so that you start to look more like him. I don't know if you've ever been told that you look like your mum or your dad. I certainly have. Um, But it's kind of like that when God adopts you as his child into his family. There's a family resemblance that starts to grow stronger and stronger and stronger the more you get to know God. Um, And he changes our hearts to care about what he cares about, to rejoice about what he rejoices about. What this parable shows us is that he cares about sinners coming home. He cares about the well-being of his children. He was excited that he had his son back safe and sound. He cares about restoration and wholeness and relationship. And as God's children, we are called to care about the things that he cares about. As we get to know him and experience a relationship with him, we'll come to care about those things too and rejoice over what he rejoices over. But we do need to participate in the process um, of this happening, becoming more and more like God in our character, um, to give the Holy Spirit room to grow the character of God in us. That's one of the reasons that we have prayer ministry up the back, right? It's making space for the Holy Spirit in our lives to shape and change us. It's like, kind of like a sailboat. If, it's in, if there's wind here and there's a sailboat in the middle, the sailboat, of course, is going to hoist its sails so that the wind can blow in the sails and move it along. It's like that with us and the Holy Spirit, with God. We hoist our sails, we participate with him so that the wind of the Spirit might blow in our sails. At the beginning of, um, of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says that the children of God are letters from God to the world. Uh, in other words, you might be the only Bible someone ever reads. What does your life say about the character of God? What do people experience when they spend time with you, when they talk to you? Do they experience love? Do they experience forgiveness? Do they experience compassion? Do you look like your father? You know, being loving and generous and compassionate is often not the popular um, way to be. Um, And there can be a lot of pressure to live in ways that are not fitting for the fully accepted children of God. Um, But you know, when we put people down, when we ignore the poor, when we um, reject those who are not considered popular, you know, I wonder sometimes if people look at us and say, oh, well, that's what God must be like. Here's a question. Is it possible to be a compassionate person if you never act on your compassion? Is it possible to be a loving person if you never express love towards anybody? Is it possible to be a joyful person if you never rejoice over anything? Is it possible to have the character of God shaped in you if you never uh, put it into practice, if you never express it? Living as a child of God is about knowing him, being like him, and thirdly, doing what he does. Because neither of the sons really knew their father, because they had broken relationships with him, neither of them um, were like him in their character, and so neither of them lived lives that expressed his character. The younger son, because he doesn't care about anybody else but himself, loses a third of the family wealth and skips town without a thought for anybody else. Now, the older brother publicly disgraces his father um, without a concern. Part of what it means to live as God's child uh, is to live out his character. You know, it just makes me think, I just wish that somebody would come and show us what it looks like to live out the character of God. 
Wouldn't that just be amazing? Like if somebody would come and perfectly model and live out the character of God so that we would have somebody to follow, so that we would have someone to model our lives after. (sighs) Wouldn't that just be so great? We have our Jesus, right? Who came and perfectly, perfectly lived out the character of our Father God. He loved the poor. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. He perfectly lived out the character of God. Let's read about our Jesus and follow him as we live our lives. But let's ask why is is living out the character of God an important part of what it means to be a child of God? Why, Why is that important? You know, when we're saved, when we are found in our lostness and brought home into a saving relationship with our Father God, we're not saved to a country club. We're saved to a rescue party. Yes? When God reaches into the swirling seas with his mighty arm and takes hold of us and pulls us up and saves us, he doesn't save us into a country club, he saves us onto the deck of a rescue boat that's taking part in his rescue mission. Jesus, uh, 2,000 years ago, inaugurated this mission that he was on. But you know what? Let me tell you tonight, it didn't end 2,000 years ago. He's still on this rescue mission, seeking and saving the lost and reaching into the water and pulling people into the life of this rescue boat. And we're his rescue party. He doesn't have a backup plan. We're it. Fireflies, right? We're it. We're saved onto the deck of a rescue boat. Now, because Jesus models a life that perfectly bears the Father's character in everything he does, we look to him to see in what manner we take part in this rescue mission. In other words, we do what Jesus did in the way he did it. And how did he do it? How did he save us? By laying down his life, right? He sacrificed to save us. By holding out suffering love for us. And it's going to take sacrifice for us to be a part of God's rescue mission. We're going to have to give things up. We're going to have to do things that we don't particularly want to do. But you know what? We know what it's like to be lost, don't we? We know what it's like to be found. We know the life that comes in knowing our God. And it's worth the cost, isn't it? People's salvation is more important and worth far more than what we could ever possibly give up. Let me ask you tonight, what is the last thing you sacrificed in order to show somebody the love or compassion or generosity of God? How do you feel about sacrificing something, be it money, time, reputation, in order to extend love to somebody, but then have that love rejected? It's what God goes through, right? We need to learn to live as God's children whose lives express the character of God. So what does it look like to live as God's children? Three things. Know the Father, be like him, and do what he does. No, be, do. Like Scooby-Doo, but no, be, do. (laughs) You'll remember that now, right? So having looked deeply into this story, having looked into the mirror, if you've gone there with me, let me ask you, how's your heart? How's your heart? How's your experience of God? How is he shaping you to be like him? 
and to do what he does? Are you living out your identity as a fully accepted child of God? And if not, where's the issue? Can you see it? Is it that you're veering into kind of the heart of the younger son and just going off and doing your own thing to avoid relationship with God? Or is it more the older son? You're just trusting in how good you think you are so you don't need to trust in God. Do you know that you're accepted? Do you know that there's complete acceptance in Jesus? Do you know that you're loved? If not, let me tell you tonight, you're accepted and you're loved. Do you know that God holds out acceptance to you and it's acceptance that cost him his life on the cross? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he accepts you. And because he gave himself fully, you can be accepted fully. You know, every week we share uh, in this communion meal uh, at the end of the sermon. And, um, and what we're doing each week is we're remembering how fully his Jesus, our Jesus gave himself for us so that we might be fully accepted. He gave every part of himself up on that cross, every part of himself, which means that no part of us can be excluded from acceptance in him. As we eat the bread and drink the wine, or the the biscuit and the juice, uh, which represents his body and his blood, it reminds us that he poured himself out fully, every part of him, so that every part of us might be accepted. There's no part of you that he will reject, no part of you that he will knock back. Don't knock him back. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.